Good morning, everybody. Yes, glad each and every one of you are here today. Thank you, guys. If you have your Bibles with you, I will ask you to turn it to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. I know we'll have some scriptures up here for you to look at if you need to see the bigger lettering. I'm getting closer all the time. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This morning we're going to continue on. This will be kind of the final message in this series. Uh, today's title is Tearing Down Enemy Strongholds in Our Minds. And we've been talking about mind games and how the enemy uh, desires to build strongholds in each of our minds. And so today we're going to continue on and finish this up, and I hope it's been helpful to each and every one of you as you've learned about how we have authority over the enemy when it comes to building strongholds in our minds. I'm going to open up in prayer, and then we'll begin by reading the word. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for each and every person that's here today. And Lord, we look forward, God, to just gathering up together every week as we do as the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for those that are able to listen today and watch, Father, through other means of media. Thank you, God, for each of them as well, and pray, God, that you would speak to all of our hearts today. And, Lord, I know that this is a topic that each and every one of us struggle with and will continue to struggle with as long as we're here upon the earth, and that the enemy, although is defeated, Father, he still never fails to continue to try to get us off track and to rob us of our joy and our testimony and all of those things. So, Father, this morning, we want to thank you for the authority we have in Christ. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the victory that you have already won, that each of us in Christ already know. And I pray for those that are not yet in Christ that, Father, you would do what only you can do by your spirit, and that is to draw them to an understanding of their desperate need for you as Savior and Lord of their life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your amazing grace that there is no sin too great, Father, outside the scope of your love and the price you paid on the cross of Calvary, that all of our sins are covered under your blood, and that the enemy has no place in our life. Thank you, Lord, for this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul here writing to the church of Corinth. And those of you who have read and studied the Bible, you understand how how, uh, how rough a place Corinth was. It was, uh, it, was, it was a rough place, especially for the early church, uh, who, had, who had many of them, in fact, all of them, have come, had come out of the world there, the, uh, the darkness of Corinth. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that this, uh, at, the, at the end of our message here. Uh, I've got some, some fun things that we're going to do, not fun, but really, I think, very powerful things that are going to happen here at the end of the service. So, but anyways, they were a rough group of people like many of us here today and had come out of the world. And Paul is going to try to help them understand who they are in Christ in this new position of, of being in Christ. And he shares with them here in the second letter to the church in Corinth. And he writes in verses 3 through 5, chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not... Of the flesh, but have divine power to demolish strongholds. He goes on and says that we destroy every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to be obedient to Christ. 
We are living in the days of unprecedented war against our minds. Never in our history have we ever been bombarded with so much information. Our enemy fights us on the battlefield of our mind. And in these last days, by the way, we're living in the last days. We are living in the season of the return of Christ. And in these last days, the enemy knows that his days are short, that his time is short, and he is unleashing an all-out war against the body of Christ and all humanity. His forces are working without restraint. He continues to build strongholds or attempt to build strongholds and to remain in the liberated and freed territory of our minds. By the way, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know that. Amen and thank God for that. But just because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and you have been redeemed by his blood and made righteous and been justified by Christ, it doesn't mean that at your salvation, the strongholds that you had been under for the whole part of your life before Christ immediately are torn down. Many of them are still in place. And so from that point of regeneration to the point of our glorification, after our salvation, although we are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, many of those thoughts and the ways of our thinking have not been transformed yet. That's why Christ, by his Holy Spirit and the reading of the word of God, begins to teach us how to tear down these untrue strongholds that Satan has built in your mind for years. We have been liberated, but he still wants to remain there in strongholds. And he hides behind these false truths that you believe, where his thoughts and his ways and the ways of the world became your thoughts and your ways and the ways that you lived. That's the way you thought. But in Christ, we are made new. He once ruled and held us enslaved. Anybody can give an amen to that? Amen. Imprisoned under his deadly reign of darkness. Whether we knew it or not, we were living under the reign of, Christ, of Satan. That's what we were living on, under the kingdom of darkness. And he was the prince ruler over the kingdom of darkness, as we find throughout Scripture. That's where he rules and reigns here upon the earth. And you and I, every one of us here that were one time outside of Christ, were living under his dominion and under the darkness of Satan. As we look at our society, our hearts are heavy for it because we see so many living underneath the dark canopy of Satan and underneath what he is doing. That's why the gospel is so important, because it sets people free from the chains of that slavery. Many of you here today have a testimony of that, and we're going to hear a few at the end of this message today. We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, as we learned in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, that we've been brought into the kingdom of the glorious Son. But yet the effects of the years of living under the evil dictatorship of Satan in our lives have still left strongholds where he still claims ownership. Daily, he continues his advances through the gates. And I want you to think about your mind as if you would think about a city, like the city of Jerusalem for those that you have been there. And if you study the Bible, you, you've seen pictures of the city of Jerusalem and you, you realize there's a lot of gates. I mean, they've got the horse gate, they've got the lion gate, they have the east gate, they have even the dung gate. Yeah, they have all kinds of gates. 
And the city has walls all the way around it. And those walls were for protection. And the gates of the city were for protection. And there were certain people that their sole responsibility was to actually keep the gates of the city. If you read Nehemiah, you find that one of the things they did first as they built the wall was to build the gates first and then set gatekeepers at the gates to keep the enemy from coming in and ransacking the city. And our mind is much that way. We need to make sure that our walls are intact and that our gates are, are, are firmly uh, kept safe by the keeping of our own self. We, we are responsible for the gatekeeper of our own mind. And Satan not only enters through the gates, but he also, with thoughts, just forgets the gates. He just comes right over the walls. His thoughts come in. And daily he continues his advances through these different avenues into the fortified fortresses of our mind, hoping to gain victory over our lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? This is not going to end. This is going to continue whether you were in Christ and you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, or you have another 30 years to go. His advances will never, ever, ever stop. He's all about trying to change the way that you think, for you to begin to think his thoughts, and for him to build up a stronghold in your mind. And he'll oftentimes come back to rebuild the very stronghold that you tore down by the help of Christ. Oftentimes he does that. In Matthew 24, let me just read you a few brief things here that are important. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 4, as Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately because he told them that not one of the stones of the temple was going to be left, that it was all going to be destroyed. They were so impressed with the temple walls, and they came to him and asked him when all these things were going to happen. In fact, when was his return going to be, and when was the end of the age going to come? And so Jesus sets with his disciples there east of the city, and he sets on the Mount of Olives. You can go there today, and you can still see 2,000-year-old olive trees right there on the very area where Jesus Christ and his disciples would have sat and heard the words of Christ here. And this is what he says. They wanted to know, tell us when these things, when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and then the end of the age. We, we want to know, Jesus, when's all this going to happen? And Jesus said to them, see that no one leads you astray. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to lead you astray. It's very, very important that in these last days, in the season in which we are living in, church, we must remember we're living in the season of the return of Christ. And we've got to remember there's going to be things that are going to be happening, and one of those is going to be a huge deception where the enemy now is using all sorts of media to enter the gates of your mind and shooting thoughts over the walls of your mind. And it's all to be leading the people of God in deception. The world is already deceived, but now he wants to deceive the body of Christ. And he does that through false teachers and through false preachers and through all these different avenues. He begins to tear down the very thing that God has built up. Jesus said there's going to be wars, natural disasters. They're going to increase as the time goes on. He said there's going to be the persecution of Christians, and it began in Jesus' day, and it's going to continue to the very end until the day that Christ comes again for his church. There's going to be many false prophets who will rise, and listen to this. Jesus said these false prophets, these false teachers are going to lead many people astray. That's what they're going to do. Wickedness will increase as his coming comes closer. That wickedness was going to become more and more and more and more. That's what's going to happen. 
that the love, the love of most would grow cold. By the way, these things are all very prevalent in our day. Very prevalent. In verse 36, he says, but concerning that day, the day that I come, Christ says, that I return, just like I told you in Acts chapter 1, he told us he's going to return the same way he left. He's going to appear there on the Mount of Olives. It's coming again. He says, but the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven know, nor the Son, but the Father himself only knows the set time and the set hour. And then he makes a very fascinating statement here. He goes all the way back to the very beginning in the early chapters of Genesis, where many people will tell you they're nothing more than a metaphorical uh, or allegorical uh, spiritualized thing. Jesus goes all the way back to Noah. He says, I want you to know something. What really took place in the days of Noah was not an allegory. It wasn't a metaphor. It really happened. That's why we see the rainbow, the sign, the covenant that God set in the sky. He reminded us and still reminds us today that he will never again destroy this earth by water or flood. It's proven fact that this old world was flooded. It's proven fact. It really happened. And so Jesus brings up the time of Noah. Listen to what he says about his return now and the coming of his second coming and the end of the age. We're in the church age right now, and this is going to come to an end when the full number of Gentiles comes in. Listen to what he says here. For as it was in the days of Noah, he says. It's going to be the same exact way it was in the days of Noah before I come. He says, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days, of, the days before the flood, what were people doing? They were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. And they were giving in marriage. Until the day when Noah entered the ark. Listen to this. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. What's Jesus telling his disciples? He's telling them that before he comes back, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. It's going to be exactly the same. In other words, Noah had been preaching as a preacher of righteousness, as we're told in the New Testament, as he's building this ark and he's telling people there's coming the very judgment of God upon this world. And as he's building this massive ark in a, in, a, in a world that had been irrigated and it had been coming up from the bottom, it never even rained and, and had major rain. So he's building this incredible ark and people are coming along and they're like, Noah, what in the world are you doing, man? Have you lost your marbles? Has your wife drove you absolutely insane, Noah? He says, no. The judgment of God is coming upon the earth. And what did people do? They heard the message, but what did they do? They continued on like nothing was ever going to happen. In fact, the Bible says that in the days of Noah, every intention of the heart of men had become evil. It was a very evil place that Noah was living in. And so Noah, for that entire time, bringing his family along, they're building this incredible ark that God was opening the door at that time for anyone who would come and listen to the message of Noah. That God's judgment was coming upon the earth because of the wickedness of men. That the doors were open. And you were able to come in until the day that Noah entered the ark by God's command. And all of a sudden, as it says in the Bible, that God shut the door to the ark. Noah didn't shut the door. God did. And the Bible says that whatever door God shuts, no man can open. But let me tell you what's very interesting. There were those who believed Noah's message but thought, you know what? I tell you what, Noah, at the first sign of rain, buddy, I'll be headed to your house. 
I'm coming, buddy. I mean, I'm going to live my life now the way that I'm going to live it. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm enjoying the things of the world. I heard your message, Noah, that God's going to bring judgment upon this earth. But I'm going to continue to do what I do. But Noah, when I see the clouds and the lightning and the thunder and the rain begins to pour, Noah, I am going to run to your house so that I can be spared. The problem is, it says, Jesus says, it's going to happen suddenly. See, the truth is, by the time Noah was commanded by God to get into the ark and God slammed the door shut, there was no more time for anyone to get into the ark. And as the earth began to tear open and the floodwaters began to pour out of the earth and the skies opened up and a deluge fell upon the earth and they're outside the walls of that ark and they're beating on the door and screaming and I'm sure Noah would have loved to open the door so that those who would want to come in could come in but the door had been shut by God. Couldn't get in. He heard them screaming outside for a time. There were those also that believed the message and thought, you know what I'm going to do? If this really was to happen, Noah, I'm just going to grab a log and just hang on. See, these are the deceptive thoughts of the enemy that you and I still have time. We don't have the next second of our life. We don't have another stroke of the clock, friends. For none of us know the day and the hour we'll stand to meet the Savior. The Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that, they'll face the judgment. The judgment's coming. And preachers for thousands of years have been preaching the return of Christ to a world that is continuing to walk in darkness. And there are many people who have heard sermon after sermon, message after message, and they're like what Peter talks about. They're scoffers saying, well, when is this return of Christ coming, man? It's been waiting for so long. And Jesus says, when everything is peace, peace upon the earth, he says, that's when it's going to happen. Satan wants to deceive you, friend. He wants you to believe that you have all the time you need. You and I don't know if we'll make it home tonight. That's the lie of the enemy. It's deception. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days, listen to what he says. He says, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Your NIV says it will be perilous times, difficult times. Difficult times. Not only will the love of most grow cold and all these things, but these are some other things that are going to happen in the last days. Folks, if there's anything that I can do in the next several months and years, if I am blessed to be here as your pastor, is to prepare the church for his coming, his return, his coming. I do not know when his coming will be, but I do know that Christ is coming again. We know this from his word. We don't know when. And anybody who sets a date, mark them off as a heretic, anyone. Anybody that says it's going to be 2020, August 1st, mark them off as a heretic. Mark them off. It's a lie. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but we know the season. We know the season. This is what he says it's going to look like. For the people at this time will be lovers of self. I was sitting in McDonald's line, uh, maybe it was yesterday, and I just wanted to get me a coffee. 
And so I pull in there, and I'm at the, I'm behind several cars, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking ahead of me at the car in front of me. And man, I got, this is hilarious, but I got tickled. This girl didn't know I was watching her in her side mirror. And I mean, for five minutes, she has been taking photos of herself. And bless her heart, she, she wasn't happy with any of them because she just kept taking more and more. I mean, come on, girl. I mean, you only got what you got, chick. Take a picture and send it on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey. I promise you, I promise you, girl, duck lips don't make you look any better. All right, let's just be honest, okay? She smooshed and she tilted and changed and, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, it was funny, but I got a kick out of that. You know, men are going to be lovers of self. Lovers of self. Lovers of money. They're going to be proud and arrogant. Abusive. There's never been a time in history where we've had more abuse than we have now. Listen to me, dear friend. This morning, if you've been a victim of abuse, I want you to know that God did not approve of any of that. See, what the truth is, is some people are mad at God because of what they've experienced in life at the hands of evil men and evil women. Their day of judgment is coming. I pray, though, to God that they'll repent and they'll turn to Christ. So he says they're going to be, a dis they're going to be disobedient to their parents. Surely not. <laughs> not in our day and time, right? No, that's not going to happen. Ungrateful unholy, heartless, the Green New Deal. I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> unapplausible. Sorry, I don't know where that's not in Scripture. I threw that in there. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. There was a day and time where people actually used restraint and self-control. Not now. They're going to be brutal, they're not going to be loving good. They're going to be treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. It says avoid such people. See, the truth is this is the challenge of our day. And this is why I think it's going to be very difficult now for those of us who are in Christ. Hear what I'm saying. Please hear me. As we are approaching the time of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to me. Jesus said these things are going to greatly increase as we approach his coming. And in fact, that the love of most will grow cold, that wickedness is going to skyrocket. It's going to go like the stock market has over the last 10 years. It's going to just right through the ceiling. And what's going to happen is, if we're not careful, as these false teachers keep coming up and television preachers, not all of them are bad, but there's several of them that are teaching an unbiblical truth about the gospel. And we got churches now that are becoming inclusive with all kinds of things. What's going on? Listen, dear friend, if you are not careful, you're going to be deceived. You're going to be caught unaware when Christ returns. Listen to what I'm telling you. And that's why we're talking about the battle of the mind, because our gates are so critical. We have, we have some gates, guys. I have this gate. What is this one? This is my eye gate. I have this gate. This is my ear gate. I have this gate. This is my, 
Well, for some of you, it's your put your foot in your mouth gate. But this is an intake gate. And what we have to begin to start realizing and understanding in these days is Satan uses all this media stuff. Listen, if I get caught in the same trap you do, it becomes an addiction to never have a moment where something is not being pumped into your mind. And so what we're doing is, is Satan is using these last days as he's ramping up all this stuff. And we're becoming disheartened as we look at the world and we go, man, God, where are you, God? Why in the world does it look like the church is losing here? And evil is just climaxing from our government to the schools to the city. You name it, it doesn't matter. Our, our, it's just at a huge climax. And what happens is we get disillusioned by all the things coming in the gates of our life. And before long, the enemy has actually come through the very gate in which we were supposed to be keeping it shut. And the enemy is coming in through the gates. And before long, he has built strongholds in the minds of redeemed believers that are not true. They're lies. And this is the deception of the last days. That, oh, I hear some of you even this morning. Oh, John, don't tell me that Jesus is coming back. I've heard that since I was a wee boy. He's coming. Listen to me, church. He's coming soon. I don't know when, but I know we're living in the season of his return. And as we move forward in this, you're going to hear more and more about how we can be confident about when this season is and why we're in this season. So this challenge in our day is that we would be intentional now with our thoughts. You can't control a thought, but you can control what you do with it. You, you, you do have control over the gates of your own mind, of your city. You're the one that is the gatekeeper of the mind. You're the gatekeeper here of your ears. What are you listening to? I'm guilty of listening to too much news I am guilty. I want to stay abreast on what's going on in the world and what's going on in the saga of our own government. Look at the wretchedness of our own government, of the highest political system in our own country, of the legal system of our country, of the, those that are in the highest levels of law enforcement in our country. The thousands who are doing so good, the highest levels are so corrupt. Look at what's going on. It's incredible. And then the internet and these beautiful little things that we've come to adore, constantly feeding us information. And before long, as you watch so much information, I'll find myself saying, what in the world is even true about all this anymore? See, that's why we have to stay fixed and I am the gatekeeper of my mind. It's what I am. This is our challenge, guys. As Christ gets ready for the return, as he's coming again, and he's coming again, we need to be ready to meet him when he comes. So the intention of us with our thoughts, it's got to be something that we have to hold on to. Why? Because most things you're going to watch, most now, not everything, are not things that God himself would call righteous, holy, and good. I mean, you can't even hardly go to a G-rated movie anymore and everything in there is right, right? 
So all the stuff that's coming in, you've got to be the gatekeeper that says, mm, don't think so, or open it just a wee bit so one calf can get through, not the whole herd, right? When you're sorting calves, listen to me, and maybe you're sorting either by sex or, or different owners in one group, whatever it is, you're not going to let the whole thing go. You're doing them one at a time. You're sorting these things through. And that's what we've got to be careful that we do. Now, we're not going to finish this week. But um, there's a reason I say this, guys. Listen to me. I want you to understand this. We have got to understand what day we're living in. And when we move forward in this, I'm going to be teaching you from the Word of God things that are going to show you how, how we are living in the final season before the return of Christ. Ma'am and sir, listen to me. One day, Jesus Christ is coming. Now listen. We rejoice in the day that he returns, but our heart breaks for you if you're here and you do not know Christ. We've been preaching and teaching for, the, for, the, for years. Listen to me, in America, listen to this. This nation, whether you want to believe it or not, was founded on Judeo-Christian values. It was now. Listen, there's a reason for that. That's why this nation really is such a great nation for freedom and for liberty and all the things that we enjoy. But look at what's happening now. For a nation who had so many things beginning with God now, we have told God to get out the gate, man. Because we're living in the season where we don't want God here anymore because we love ourselves and we love sin in this society. So in other words, the things of God have got to be booted aside so that we can actually evolve to being the great society that we should be. And what's happening is this unparalleled just deluge of all the tearing down of the fabric of the mind of humanity. We're going to be on this next week, but I want to share this passage with you. And then for those that are going to share this morning, would you please come up here now and we'll get ready to share your testimony. I've got a few people that are going to share their testimony this morning about how God has helped them to tear down some strongholds. Listen, some of these strongholds were developed when they were living under the kingdom of darkness. But what happens when you come into the kingdom of the light is all of a sudden now you have, you have the Holy Spirit now who indwells you, who empowers you, who, who shines the light of the word of God upon your very mind and upon your very soul. And all of a sudden those strongholds that are built up, the word of God now begins to show and reveal things that are not true. And listen, the day you are saved, you are not completely, you just, you're not there yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a process where God takes you through this process. We call it sanctification. So does the Bible. He talks about a purification process. And it's purifying our mind and the strongholds of our mind. And it's changing us over time as God begins to work on those areas in our life. These people, many of them, carried these strongholds for many, many years of their lives. And you're going to hear about the destructive truth about what Satan has done when the Bible says to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why Satan has set up his kingdom. That's what he's doing in your mind the mind of believers today who allow it. Listen to what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read this for a reason. Because there's people here this morning that believe that God can't forgive them. That their sin is way too great. And some of you would never, ever, ever share the darkness of where the enemy took you in life. 
But I want to show you something that Paul shares to those in Corinth. Listen to this. Let me remind you, sin is sin. The problem is what we do is we try to give a number of 1 through 10 of the greatest sin versus the worst sin. It's all just sin, guys. It's all it is. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and then we're going to let them share. I do apologize for us being just a little late today. You all are very used to that, so I do apologize in advance. In 6.9, Paul talking to those in Corinth, please listen to these words. He says, or do you not know that the unrighteous, the unrighteous, those who are not under Christ or in Christ, that the unrighteous, and I hear this all the time from people, well, what happens when you die? Well, we go to heaven. No, not everybody goes there. They don't go there. Why? Because they stayed outside the ark of Christ. He is the ark. And this is what happens. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, in our society today, they're going to tell you that God is a love, encompass, all, in love, all about love. Doesn't care about what your sin is. It doesn't care about how he's inclusive. He just loves everybody. God, by his very nature, is love. But God is just. And God is righteous. And God also is a God of judgment. So anybody that tells you that lie, it's a lie. It's not true. And then Paul's going to give a list of some of those who came out of Corinth into the church. This is going to describe a lot of you here, by the way. Probably, actually, it's going to describe all of you. Listen to this. Do not be deceived. And oh, we're hearing this all the time. And I hear this from these TV preachers about how God's inclusive. Doesn't matter your sin, just come. We love you, buddy. We do love. We love all sinners because we're one of them. But we also know that God's righteous requirements require some things of us. And we're not to live in those ways anymore because we've been set free from those things. This is what he says. Do not be deceived. Neither, now listen, neither the sexually immoral. Do we have any of that going on in our society today? We got any sexual immorality going on? Yeah, we do. And that encompasses a lot of things in our day and age, right? So neither the sexually immoral nor the idolaters. That means we're worshiping something above God. It's idolatry, right? Nor adulterers. You all know what adultery is, right? These are people who are practicing this. This is not what you had done in your past. You've been redeemed from this, by the way. This is what is going on perpetually in their life nor men who practice homosexuality. It's the practicing, see? It's the practicing. It's the continuing in. It's the thing of saying, well, God, your love, your whatever, we just continue in this way, and there's actually no ramifications for this. That's actually a deception of the enemy. It's not true. Nor thieves. Some of you thought, man, they threw me in that category? You bet. Because, because you know what? Sin is sin. We want to say, well, that sin's up here. This sin's down here. Nope, sin, sin. Then he moves on and says, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. They won't. But listen to what it says. And were, I love that word, were some of you. See, the thing about Christ is when he comes into your life, Although we have a whole lot of growing we're going to do. 
he immediately redeems, forgives, justifies. It's all covered by the blood of Christ. It is no longer a part of who you are. And you are in Christ Jesus. And then he gives you the Holy Spirit. Why does he give you the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit gives you power now to live what? A new life in Christ, a resurrected life. That that all was buried. The old man's gone as far as who we were, 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 and now we're raised to walk in brand new life. And how do we do that? By the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do in our life? When we go back to doing those things, what does the Holy Spirit do? He checks you. He checks you. And then you're convicted, not condemned, you're convicted. Ah, that's really not something you want for me to do, is it, God? For I was reading your word today about X, Y, and Z. And the Holy Spirit changes us. And the whole thing is, it's the were. This is the new move of the church. Listen to me. Continue in what you're doing, for God is love. And you know what they're doing? They're sending people straight to hell. That's the truth. I want you to hear some testimonies of people who have been set free from those things that Satan enslaved them to. First one we're going to have is going to be Christy Peck. All right? Christy, come on up here. Now, I realize this could be any and every one of you here. Most of you here come up here and say, hey, that's my story. But Christy, I want you to share about what Christ did in your life, where Satan had you and where Christ has redeemed and brought you to, about those strongholds that through the power of God, he's helped you tear down and change all the things about who you are and what you are. All right. Morning, church. Okay, so basically I was born into a stronghold. I was born with meth in my system, and then when I was four years old, I was molested and it went on for an extended period of time. So when I went to my mom, she didn't believe me. So I grew up feeling unworthy, dirty, like I didn't belong, like I didn't fit in, like I was different from everybody. And that led to another stronghold of, see, I didn't forgive my mom, sorry. I did not forgive my mom for not believing me, for not protecting me, for not doing what she should have done. So I grew up and before I was 16, I shot dope. <clears throat> I was an IV drug user for 30, for 23 years of my life, and um, it's because of the stronghold of unforgiveness. I didn't forgive my mom. I didn't forgive the guy that done that to me for years and years, so it justified my being an addict. It justified my being ugly, and over a course of 15 years, God gave me three beautiful children, and the state of Texas terminated my parental rights because of my addiction, the stronghold that the enemy had on my mind. And um, in my mind, I, was, I sought power and control through dealing drugs. That's who I was. After I lost my kids, that was my identity. And that was the stronghold that was on my life. But in 2015, I cried out to God, and I just said, if you are who they say you are, show yourself to me. And God showed up and showed out. Um, he opened doors for me to go to this place called Grace House, and that's where I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and I realized who I am. I'm not what was done to me. I'm not the mistakes that I made. I am who I'm becoming, and in him I'm brand new. I'm a new creation. Genesis 50, 20 says, What the devil meant for harm, God will use for good, the saving of many lives. 
After I got clean in 2015, God slowly began to restore all the years that the locusts ate. You'll find that in Joel 2.25. And two out of three of my children are in my life today. And it's only because I found out who I was in Christ. I'm not, I'm not what I've done. I'm not the mistakes I made, but I am who he says I am. And today I'm royalty. I stand before you a trophy of grace, and I'm grateful to give him glory and honor and all that he's done in my life. All right, next we have Randy. If you, Randy's going to come. I think there's some folks going to come up here too, I believe. And I know their testimonies could probably be an hour each. Um, but this is the beauty of what Christ has done. I think there's a few people coming up here. Guys, this is Randy. Everybody, welcome Randy. He's part of our church body. <laughs> And let me tell you, it takes a little courage to stand up here. And, uh, but they're here to give God glory, not to glorify what Satan had done, but to glorify what God has done. Amen? All right, this is some of uh, Randy's small group here. And uh, this is our small group Bible studies we were doing on Wednesday nights, which uh, really was incredible. We had two weeks of testimonies. And uh, Randy's going to share with you this morning. Do you want that thing to put that on or do you want to? I've gone through it so many times this week, I think I have it pretty well down by All memory. Right. I'm going to shut up and let you share. How are you all doing? Uh, my testimony is uh, pretty hard to share, but I've just felt like for a long time God's been dealing with it on my heart to share it and what he took me from and what he, where he's taken me to now. And sorry if I sound a little nervous. Uh, it started when I was young, pretty much. I I didn't really go to church, kind of randomly. Uh, uh, very seldom in between. Uh, just kind of didn't really have a church life or that relationship with Jesus Christ. So I kind of left the door open, and in our early age, uh, Satan started working on me, and and feeding me the lies and deceptions. And as I got older, uh, I listened to the wrong people and got them to believe, or got them to make me believe that I was okay, that I was where God, or what God wanted me to be. And so after that, uh, it, I went down the road of the life of a in the homosexual uh, community, and I was pretty much strongly into the club scenes, uh, their rodeo circuit, uh, parades, partying, whatever you want to say. The uh, it was pretty much all that my life was about for many years. Until about four years ago, uh, I don't know why, but I started talking to God and asking him whatever needed to be changed in my life, Lord, just to let on my heart and let me change. And henceforth, he started doing that. And my desire started to change. Um, 
it's been, like I said, four plus years, and I have no longer have had no desire for the club scene or for that life anymore. Uh, things that I had in my apartment that promoted this life, he had me to trash and destroy them, and I got rid of them, and I have no regrets. And like I said, I can't emphasize how much of a change he's made in my life from what I was to what I am now. Uh, the thing he's still working on with me is the shame that I feel for my past. But I guess as of last Sunday and today, he's helping me overcome that as well and helping me to move forward and basically do whatever it is in my life ahead that he wants me to do and help whoever I can to help see the light and know what is truth and leave the deception and lies behind. And I just give him all the glory and praise for where I am. And thank you. Amen. 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 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jeff Peck, come on up here, brother. <laughs> Jeff Peck's team leader, uh, SIG Ministries here at Texoma Cowboy Church. A lot of you don't really know all that this ministry does. Uh, we have a drug re rehabilitation, really. It's, it's about recovery. It's down on 9th Street that our church actually has a facility down there. And it's really in the hard part of town where there's lots of people who are living a life in captivity from Satan. And Jeff, is, uh, he's my brother in Christ. And I've watched God change this man like unbelievable the last few years. And God's a God of restoration, I can tell you that. Amen? All right, brother. Mm, hey, how are y'all? Hello. <laughs> uh, let's see, introduce me for those of y'all who don't know me. I'm Jeff Peck. And uh, what bound me up for a long time is what everybody's seen was the depression, the suicidal tendencies, the addiction. That's what y'all seen. But that was only a byproduct of what was truly bothering me. I struggled my whole life with value, self-worth, lack of self-worth, rather, this is, you know, we're talking about the battlefield of the mind and the mind. I mean, my mind goes crazy. It always did all the time. I valued myself by my perception of what all you guys thought of me. So I really had no clue what y'all thought of me, but how I would perceive the way you look at me is how I valued myself. So with that, I went through a whole life of manipulation, slander, alcohol, drugs, 
Because if I could manipulate you to look at me in a different way, to give me a better feeling of myself, that's what I would do. If you would say something that would insult me and I could slander you in a way to make me feel better, that's what I did. You know, but eventually that wasn't enough. I was still hurting. I was still hurting constantly. So then I get a little bit older and I find out, you know, what, you know, what alcohol is. So I go to getting drunk and I find a new set of people I can hang with. You know, people who can look at me in a different way. But I would feel that hole that I had with alcohol and drink and get drunk and drink and get drunk. And uh, eventually, that wasn't enough. I was still hurting. So then I find out what methamphetamines is. And then I start taking methamphetamines because I can feel it. What alcohol couldn't, you know, what me being deceitful, being slandered, you know, to you couldn't feel, what the alcohol couldn't feel, the meth started feeling. You know, for seven years, man, I felt good. Everything was going. Uh, you know, but eventually that's not enough. The spring of 2008 in a little old church outside of Richmond, Virginia. See, I grew up in a church. I grew up with structure. I grew up with good parents. I grew up with all the things that the American kid wants, American kid has. But I was lonely. I was hurt, right? So out of a church outside of Richmond, Virginia, in 2008, I said, I've changed, you know. I give my life to God. And, you know, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, what? Behold, all things become new. I memorized that. I, I said, I'll never forget that. While I walk out, you know, uh, you know uh, 10 months later, I'm high. I'm on, that plain I'm on that pink cloud. Well, 10 months later, the real world sits back in. You know, I start walking the normal life that I used to walk constantly. So then I go back to struggling again. Well, finally in 2010, I go back to my addiction. Finally in 2010, October 2010, I finally give it up. I got clean. But that was just the start because I still hadn't changed. I'd gotten clean. I'd give my life to Christ, but I had no relationship. I knew I was saved, but there was nothing there. There was no substance, right? In my house, the first week of January... 2014, I laid in bed one night bawling. I said, God, take away from me what's not good in me. I'm tired of living this. I've got four years clean and I'm worthless. Instantly, things changed. Instantly. Within eight months later, I changed. With, with eight months later, God started bringing my kids back into my life. About nine or, no, about ten months later, God called me to the ministry. And, uh, you know, I was reading earlier, in, it was Romans 12, 12. Well, I walked in this morning, there was Romans 12, 12, right there on the screen, you know. It says, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? But the second part is what really, you know, sticks to me. By testing, you'll be able to discern what is the will of God, what is pleasing, what is perfect, what is acceptable, you know, to him. So... So today is what I just kind of really want to talk about, and I'll wrap it up. It's today who I am. My, y'all's perception of me today, that, that is not my self-worth at all. What I, it's what about, because I laid all that at the cross. It's what Jesus Christ thinks of me today. But what I do know today is if I walk out of here today and I act like a fool, I've got to take that up with him. But it's going to affect some of y'all. Because y'all might look at me in a different manner today, and I walk out and act like a fool, I can drive y'all away from Christ. You know? And God has called us to be a light. God has called us to be 
to train disciples, and I'm just thankful that I'm here today, and I'm a new creation in Christ. All right. Thank you all for, um, for your patience today. I appreciate you guys more than you know. If you all would, let's stand, and we're going to close in prayer. Um, I know we got hot dogs, hamburgers, and all that stuff coming. A lot of fun this afternoon. But I don't want to just run from here today. Because I believe that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. I believe that God's word always goes out and brings back forth fruit. It always accomplishes what God intends for it to do. And testimonies are powerful because nobody can rob you of your testimony. They can argue with you the age of the earth, but they can't argue with you about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. So this morning, if you are here, and you're still in captivity, you're lost, and you know you are, you feel condemned, you feel judged, you feel filthy, you feel dirty, you feel, you feel horrible, you're lost in sin, Jesus Christ is here to set you free. He's the one to run to, friend, that will change and transform your life. We wanted to give you some testimonies today about the power of God in the lives of common people who have lived a life where you may be living today. I don't want to run from this time. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of prayer. And I can hear people out there that God's dealing with. I, I know because God's real. Man, he's powerful. And today what we're going to do is I'm going to do what we do every week, and we're going to do this. Is I, that lodge right now is going to be off limits for anything but prayer until we're finished. Because we're here to do business with God first. And then we'll have our time of fun. Amen? But there's nothing more important to us here at Texoma Cowboy Church than you all and what God's doing in your life. So as I pray, God has been drawing you. He's been moving you. And you say, man, I just don't know what to do from here. Listen to me. You can find forgiveness and redemption in Christ. You can find a new life in Christ because he is the giver of life. You say, I want someone to pray with, talk to. They have walked me through this. They're waiting for you right behind these doors in this room to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you now. Listen, please be considerate of this time. Let people buy you. Pray for them. Right now, if you're here and you're a Christian, I ask you to pray right now for all those that God's dealing with, that they can be set free today. And we're going to join together in prayers. I pray if God's dealing with you, just write out. Just shoot right out there and let, let them pray with you and let them help you find freedom today. Come down from the balcony. It doesn't matter. Don't let the height keep you from getting to God. Just come on down. That's what we're here for. I'm going to pray. You move as we pray. Father God, Lord, I want to thank you so much for the testimony, Lord, of those that have come today. And they have shared, Lord, with you, with us, what you have done in their life, God. There's some here today, Lord, that I know that are in that very same position, Lord, today. And they, they want freedom from this. And God, my prayer is today, Lord, that they will come to you, the living water who has come to give them a drink of life to set them free. There is no sin out that is greater than the, the blood of Christ. There, there, is, there is nothing outside of his scope and his love to forgive and to redeem. Lord, I pray right now that you would give them the courage to, to cry out to you, to move forward, Lord, to experience what it means to live the abundant life in Christ. Father, we love you today. I thank you for the courage of those that have shared today. I pray that it will, it will minister and have an impact in the lives of people. 
Thank you for this church, for all of our body here, the body of Christ, our family. I pray that, Lord, as we fellowship this afternoon, Lord, that we will grow closer together. But ultimately, God, that our conversation and our love, God, would be about you and about what you've done in our life. We give you praise in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.